Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, thank you. You can find your places back, and I appreciate you praying. And uh, we made it through all those prayer requests, and so that is a wonderful accomplishment to be able to pray for the requests that we did, and I praise the Lord for it. I'm looking forward to hearing a message by my friend um, and your um, church member that goes with you, Tony Coleman. And so we're looking forward to that tonight. And the Lord laid a message on his heart. And so I was glad to see that he was here this evening and uh, came in. He was trying to trick me a little bit and uh, coming in. But uh, anyways, it's a blessing and appreciate what, what he has to give to us. Looking forward to the way God will use him this evening. Thank you, Lord, for this time of prayer and the opportunity to open your word to hear more about you. We pray, Lord, that you would be heard tonight. I've studied and I've prayed, but I ask, Lord, that it be your words to be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, thanks. The weather finally broke. It's my time of year right here. Now going into Christmas, it's nice and cool, but it still has not helped my allergies one bit. So I ask that you bear with my voice tonight. We just got through Missions Month. And any church, any Christian would be excited about Missions Month. I mean, there's, there's... Nothing more exciting, if you ask me, to hear the adventures, if you will, of missionaries. I mean, they do serious work. They're in often remote places, usually in a place where they know little about until they go to language school. They don't know the language. They don't know the culture. In fact, in 30 years in and out of the church, this year was the first missionary that I met that was coming that was actually a national. That's the first time I've ever seen that. So more than likely, the missionary is someone who's coming from a foreign place. I we call it foreign missions. So I got to thinking as I was meeting some of these guys and talking to, and even, even thinking about some of my own experiences, is, is what, what kind of person does that? What, what does it take to do that? Now, now, now think about it, because there is a glamorous part of it to say, I'm going to spread the word of God throughout the world. But there's also a gritty part of it, if you will, There's the part that I'm packing up everything, leaving my family, 
convincing my spouse, raising my children on the hopes and prayers of people who I engage once every four years. There's, there's a tangible part that, that gets romanticized, but if you think about it, you stand now, you arrive on the tarmac of an airport that may not look like an airport that we're used to. I, I remember when I landed in Brazil and I looked around and there was nothing but jungle around the airport. And I said to myself, we're in it now. But I knew I was only going to be there for six weeks. So there was an actual end date for me. So I got to thinking about what, what goes on in that mind, if you will, that says, this is what I'm going to do. And I looked at it. And I realized that there's three cons to Christian service. Three cons to Christian service. If you turn with me to Romans 8, we'll look at this, kind of starting with the end result and back into it from the beginning. Romans chapter 8. I have a new Bible that just came today. The pages are still sticking together. I probably won't find Amos for another three weeks. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or perils, perils or the sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me, separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I said, that hits it. That nails it. See, the first kind of Christian service is the word convinced. I am convinced that God is with me. I am convinced that God is who he said he is. I'm convinced that he'll keep me, he'll protect me, he'll provide for me, he'll love me, and he will even meet my emotional needs. I'm convinced. And I looked at it and I said, wow, these, these guys, I think that's where they start. They're convinced. See, I ask you, I even ask myself, how convinced are we? for the love of God. How convinced are we that God will keep us and protect us? Now, I know, I know that most of us, all of us, have no trouble with God is saving us. 
Most of us who call ourselves Christians, we, we've, we've come to that point and said, well, God, save me. I believe I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and I'm convinced that the work of Christ on the cross has covered that. But many of us stop there. M many of us stop with the trust that we're saved, but don't take that next step and ask, why am I saved? What's the purpose of my salvation? Why did God do all this for me that cost me nothing? See, I believe that they're convinced. And they're convinced of this thing that God will keep them. So it's easy to say that when I'm fully protected, I'll go anywhere. You know, the, they ask um, U.S. pilots, naval pilots, they say, why would you fly? You know, the, the fly in areas where it's nine times a ten you're likely you're going to get shot down. And, and you know what their answer was? They said, because the U.S. government will move heaven and hell to rescue us. And that has borne out that the military, if a plane goes down, a pilot goes down, if a man is lost behind it, they will move everything they can to get that person out. So every soldier stands by and says, they got my back. My six is covered. And they move on to do their job. I wonder if that's where we are as Christians. I know there was a point I wasn't. Because that day that I stepped off the tarmac, stepped onto the tarmac in Brazil, I was in the wrong city. I was four cities away from where I land supposed to be. I was in southern Brazil, and I was supposed to be in northern Brazil. Because, you know, I figured you get on a plane and you fly to where you're going. But at that time, you flew to Rio, and then you took hops to the other cities. So I'm lost. I'm separated from my group. The plane gets on a hop. I get off at the first city. And now I'm looking for the people who are supposed to meet me. And what I learned that those two days that I was separated from the group was this one, this one thing. It was much easier for me to trust God for eternal life than it was for the next 24 hours. It was easier to trust God for eternal life than it was for the next 24 hours. And I think that bears out in our lives regularly. When something happens, what am I going to do? When the bill comes, oh, I'm a little short this month. One of our children have a problem. How can I fix this? See, in those moments, we, we forget, quite naturally, if you will, that God is not separated from us. You see, these missionaries, these men and women that go and give their lives and if you remember, when they were really starting this in the 50s, they were literally giving their lives. The first kind is they're convinced. But see, it moves on. See, because the second kind is conviction. Is their conviction. Not the conviction of like they are 
judged, but the conviction that they are now have gone from believing to actually doing. It's the conviction that says, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with me. Therefore, he has created me to do good works. And therefore, I must do these good works. I have to do them. Because what? Because God died for my salvations. And my good work is to spread the gospel as commanded to me by Christ. So I looked, I looked at these, I said, they're convinced and they're convicted. See, many of us will argue a point. And in these last 18 months during COVID, you got to hear many arguments, many people pushing their point. Even now, should kids wear masks or not wear masks to school? And some of these people argue this thing passionately as if their life depended on it or their child's welfare depended on it. They have a conviction to that cause of which they will now fight passionately and do everything they need to do to make that happen. You see, in the missionary's mind, there's a conviction. There's a conviction that says, I, I must do this. I have no other option. In fact, I think it goes so far, it says, if I do anything else, I'll be doomed. Have you met anyone who was really called to do something and knew that if they didn't do that very thing, everything else would crash and burn? Have you ever been in that position? Have you ever had that feeling, that knowledge that you were called to do something and if I don't do this, there will be dire consequences. You see, that's, that's the missionary. That's the servant. That's the kind of Christianity. The convention, the conviction says, I got to do this. J.R. Packer wrote this great book many, many years ago called Knowing God. In the second chapter of his book, he said, the people who know their God do four things, but I'm only going to mention two. He said, the first thing they do is they have great thoughts of God. They see God in this huge way. They see God in this, in this, this way that is beyond the scope of their imagination, even in a way that they can't describe. I mean, I mean, was it not David, the little boy who walks up to Goliath and says, you don't know my God. My God will deliver. But was it not the boys in the furnace saying to Nebuchadnezzar, my God is able. Even if he doesn't do it, we're not going to follow you because he's able to deliver, and this is our conviction. We will die for this. Was it not the son of God himself who bore death, even death on the cross, because he knew this is what had to be done for the salvation of man. Convinced to a conviction. And this conviction is what moves you into action. 
It's this conviction that drives that passion. It's that conviction that bears all things. But that type of conviction can only come out of your knowledge of God. It can only come out of your experience with Jesus Christ. You see, because you have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that God will deliver. But there's a third kind to this thing. See, they're not just convinced. They're not just content. I mean, they're just, not just convicted, but they're also content. Content. They reach that contentment that says, no matter what happens, I'm in a good place. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor present things, nor things that come, nor height, nor death, nor other creatures shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ Jesus, which is in the Lord. See, because they believe that Christ loves them, and that gives them a certain peace, gives us a certain contentment, certain comfort. When I went to school, and I think most kids that went to Bible school, somebody along the line tells them the hardship of ministry. And, you know, everything was like, yeah, this, this, and that. But, but one of the things they said to me that resonated to me said, you will probably never buy a new car. So you will probably never buy a new car. Now, you'll buy a car. You'll get a car. You know, it'll be new to you. But you will probably never buy a car within this year. And I say, you must be kidding me. Of course, 35 years later, <laughs> I've never brought a new car. But every car I had, I was satisfied with because it met my needs. You see, the second thing I learned in the mission field was that I learned the difference between a need and a want. See, I live in a society that is based on our wants. And not only our wants, but our right to have what we want, to do what we want, to say what we want, when we want. But three-quarters of the world doesn't live like that. They live in an era where they have to be content even to the fact that this is all they know. So you take a person who lives in the society who is has fortunate, has this, to move to a society that only knows contentment with what they have. And they consciously make that decision. And they live with it, and they come and sing the praises of God. See, they're content. See, that kind of contentment that's next level. That's, that's, that's able to say that God, he is not only going to provide my needs, but he is providing my needs. He has provided my needs. And I'm happy about it. Because nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. See, it's this understanding that I think that they embrace that gives them the strength and courage 
to make that, to take on that challenge. Now, these things aren't consistent just to missionaries. These things are true for anybody who has dedicated a part of their life, if not all their life, to ministry. These things are true to that person who has prayed and found what God has them to do and continues to do it, has taken the courage to step up and do it. See, because a lot of times, if you know, Christianity comes with some ridicule. It comes with some questions. See, my mother and my family were not saved believers. I did not grow up in a Christian home. So when I said to my mother, I said, Mom, I'm going to leave Temple. I'm going to go to PCB. And she said, oh, well, what's PCB? And I said, Philadelphia College of Bible. I said, well, what do they have there? And I said, well, I'm going to go learn the Bible. And she said, she leaned back, <laughs> as she often does, leaned forward, leaned back, folded her arms. So you're not going to be an engineer. And I said, well, more than likely I'm not. And she says, are you expecting to live here? <laughs> Which I kind of knew, <laughs> you know, that wasn't happening. I said, Ma, I can't explain it to you. I mean, here's where we are. Here's where we are. Because it was a conviction. And at that point, I knew where my support was coming from. I knew how this thing was going to work. I knew all I could do was trust that God was going to provide because my scholarship money went with all of that. All of that went, and I started all over. So I am one of the rare people who have graduated with 232 credits because I have a bunch of credits that I can't use. But I'm happy. I'm at peace because right now, at this moment, for such a time as this, is where I'm supposed to be because of the action of God. You see, Christian service requires belief. It requires faith. It requires knowledge of God. It requires that you are convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that God's going to do what he says to do because there's going to be some sacrifice that you may not have anticipated. There's going to be some stresses it may hurt the joints. There's going to be some distresses, disappointments. And the only way to get through that is to be convinced that God is who he is. You see, it takes that level of faith to live that life that in some cases may be tragic. In some cases, your friends or people will say, you know, why don't you just go ahead and do this? And then you say, I can't. More importantly, you say, I don't want to. So these missionaries <clears throat> who have had tragedy in the field death in the family, come down with cancer, 
COVID in the jungle. See, I think of them when they're experiencing these things, and I think of this thing that says that they have earned the right. They have demonstrated the reality of that hymn that we sing all the time. That says, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, that's knowledge, that's conviction, that's contentment that allows you to say that verse with full belief and confidence. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.